Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 2, Episode 17, Controversial Topics, The Matt Mercer Effect and Paid DMs. Listen to Jim and I talk all about the strange Matt Mercer effect and how it can destroy games. What a load of rubbish. We also chat about paid DMs. We have differing opinions on this one. And we have another great random encounter, this time with an undead dragon. You also get to hear how he exposed Jim's nefarious plot to exploit his Instagram followers. Busted! All of this and more in this episode of 13-Sided Die. Hello, adventurers. It is another episode of 13-Sided Die with my good friend, Epic Jim. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing very well, my friend. Very well. So uh, we're going to start off today talking uh, just briefly about something very exciting. Um, I have been foolishly thinking about holding a gathering, a con here in uh, Calgary, out here in Alberta, Canada, and it is official. There's even a website, so I guess that means it's really official when there's a website. Um, yes, it's uh, exciting. It's ArdCon. It's going to be on Saturday, June 17th here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, if you can make it, that'd be fantastic. Lots of stuff going on, but probably the biggest and most important thing about it is is what, Jim? Uh, Sean's going to make me public speak. Uh, we're going <laughs> to do a 13-sided die episode live. That's going to be so much fun. Um, yeah, uh, Jim's going to crush it. We uh, we don't know what the topic is because obviously it's in the future, but we'll figure out a fun topic. And then we're going to ask questions from the audience, which will be cool live. And uh, yeah, we'll record it and put it up there. So uh, that's exciting. Um, lots of other things going on. We're going to have um, people giving uh, tutorials on uh, train building, mini painting, people giving talks on art, uh, D&D, role playing, all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. Um, we will have a table set up for drop-in uh, one-shot D&D games. If you want to play, you can sit down and play a one-shot with a DM of great, great knowledge. What else? Um, fa- it'll be like a fair. We'll have uh, people bringing in their wares, selling uh, kind of medieval style fantasy products, which will be exciting. Yeah. And who knows what else? Uh, there's still a couple months away, so who knows what else happens, but uh, super excited about it. Uh, if you do uh, want to check it out, it's ardcon.com and that's A-A-R-D-C-O-N dot C-O-M ardcon.com Ardcon Canada is the Instagram account because apparently there is a a building company called Ardcon and they stole it before I could get it uh, a while back. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> on Instagram, they don't have any domain name, but they had it for the Instagram account. So whatever, it's all good. Um, yeah, very exciting. Just spending a lot of time right now, figuring stuff out, doing a lot of marketing for it, letting people know. And uh, yeah, if you can make it, please, please do. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to meet everyone in person. That's going to be awesome. It's kind of cool. You know, I've had so many people reach out and say, oh, I wish I could come. I wish I could come. And they're like on the other side of the world. And uh, that's the interesting thing about our podcast, uh, Instagram accounts. You get to know all these people from all over. And it's totally fine because you can talk to people digitally, no no big deal. But as soon as it's an in-person thing, everything changes. And it's really interesting because there's so many people that would obviously like to come. And I don't expect anyone's going to fly here. Like, that's insane. Um, so I think it's gonna be very much more of a local thing. Uh, I've been very interested in doing this. I've been thinking about it for quite some time now, and I know we've mentioned it on the show before, but, uh, I, 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 am not comparing it to, but I'm remembering back the kind of the stories about Gary Gygax and his friends starting Gen Con. Um, Gen Con is one of the largest gaming conventions in the world, and it started in his little town of Geneva, which is why it was called Gen. It was Geneva Conference, Gen Con. And, um... It, it was just a small thing and they put it out there. They had, and it was pre D and D they had their wargaming friends come and turn up. And I think they had something like 75 or a hundred people turn up and they had some people from Europe come, which was exciting. And that's, you know, how they started. And that's kind of how I see this, just starting something small, something fun and uh, see where it goes. And uh, hopefully if it, if it works this year, we'll do one next year and we'll see where that goes. And it's uh yeah, it's just something to, to try out and uh, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. And uh, Sean, actually, like, I know, like, Chris, 
our biggest fan of 13 side die he's flying isn't he i think that's what i heard which is crazy uh love so people chris are, people are flying up for it isn't that wild like just the <laughs> thought of that it blows my mind um so yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, we're putting a lot of effort and thoughts into it and want to make sure everyone just has a really, really fun day. And uh, it's going to start kind of grassroots and from the heart. That's what it is. And uh, it'll be kind of nice to see a bunch of faces to people that we've spoken to digitally and stuff. So anyways, if you're interested, please check out the website. Uh, there'll be links down below uh, on our podcast here. And uh, yeah, hope to see you guys. And wait, boy. Yeah, it's going to be fun. A lot of fun. So that's kind of the preamble at the beginning of the show. Um, the actual show is uh, pretty exciting. What are we talking about today, Jim? Uh, we're talking about the Matt Mercer effect and uh, what we think about DMs for hire. I love it. This is such a great, great couple of topics, very, very similar to each other. Um, maybe a little bit for people who don't know Matt Mercer. Uh, I think you mentioned it last episode, Jim, but Matt is the amazing uh, dungeon master for the um, show Critical Role uh, that started off on um, Twitch. Uh, just really, um, what do you say? There was a bunch of, they, there's a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors who got together and played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they are amazing voice actor talents. Um, all of them have, uh, you know, professionally done voices in video games and movies and television animation. And a lot of them have a lot of really big credentials behind their names. And they're all extremely talented and they all are actors. And some have, you know, been in TV and movies. Uh, Ashley Johnson, most recently in um, The Last of Us, uh, played a, you know, a, a character in that uh, TV series. So these guys are professionally trained, and that's kind of the thing. Matt has been a DM involved in Dungeons & Dragons pretty much his whole life. Um, so he is literally amazing. Um, the, being voice actors, it's really cool because people who play D&D know it's really fun if you can add a voice to a character. And Matt, as a DM, I think is one of the best DMs I've ever seen. What do, you, do you agree, Jim? Oh, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. 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 He's the big reason I started DMing. He's the right. Like, yeah. Gave me the courage. To, I'm like, I can do this. I got this. <laughs> and, and, you know, and Matt is amazing. Um, you know, all these different voices, he really ca- adds character and, and Matt, Matt goes for it. And, and I'm, 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 I get so inspired, like you're saying, Jim, watching Matt, because he'll get big and large and he'll act silly and he'll do funny voices and he'll, you know, he'll kind of act out part of that character. If it's a crotchety old man, he gets all shriveled up and stuff and he really, really goes for it. And that's a bold thing to do because whenever you put yourself out there, you're scared people are going to laugh at you or it's not going to work. Um, you're going to feel silly. And uh, it, it, one of the biggest things we always talk about is, uh, you know, your table should be a safe place. Um, if you can play with friends or people that you become friends with that will allow you to do that, which will allow them to act silly and do dumb stuff, say silly things and allow yourself to have fun uh, and feel confident. And that, that's the that's the big thing about it. And and don't ever make fun of somebody. I mean, we, we in England, you say you take the piss, which is just to make fun of somebody in a loving way. Um, you kind of kid and you joke. That's fine. But don't make fun of somebody being vicious. Do you know what I mean? Like, and if they're stumbling on something, man, help them out. So Matt really does go for it and it makes an incredible immersive game. So that's kind of the preamble as to what, um, who Matt Mercer is and, and what Critical Role is. And, and it's become huge. Like, I mean, Critical Role is one of the most watched um, D&D based games out there. Uh, they've spun it off into an animated TV series from their first campaign uh, that's on Prime, second season out now. Like, I- insane, right? Like, they're in their third season, and they um, every Thursday, except for the last Thursday of the month, is a new episode, um, which you can watch on um, Twitch, or it's for free on Mondays. They release it on Monday for free on YouTube, as so you can watch it there. Anyways, there's, like, hundreds of thousands of hours of them playing uh, D&D over, I think they just had their seventh year anniversary just recently, so they've been doing it for a long time. Since the start of 5e. Yeah, right? Like, it's it's crazy. Uh, and I think they were Pathfinder originally, yeah. right? I think before they got into doing it now. And I mean, they play, the thing is they played a home game and they did it from home and then they were about seventh or eighth level characters and Matt was approached um, by, I think, Felicia Day and other people at... Um, uh, Egan Sundry. Thank you. Couldn't get that name, boy. I was really trying hard to pull it in. Good old Jim. Uh, and I think they they talked to them about, hey, what about doing this as a live thing? And no one knew what it was going to be like, and it, it just exploded. Anyways, the Matt Mercer effect that comes from that um, is people that are new to D anD D, which is awesome, and we've spoken about that. Like, you know, and I played for almost forty years, 
it doesn't matter. You can be new to the game. It, it's not a, it's it's there for everyone to enjoy. The thing you have to watch out for though is people watch Critical Role and expect that level of gameplay. And you know, in our game, um, there are moments when we achieve that level. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I sit back and I watch my players, Jim included, where they'll be interacting with each other in character, doing stuff. It's amazing. It's like watching a TV show. But that's not all the time. And that's pretty rare. And the game, in my game, we've been playing now for it's six, six, uh, six or seven years right now that we've been playing. So this is a group of people that have been playing together for a really long time that are really comfortable with each other. And, and the people in the game, too, are like my son, my nephew, <laughs> uh, my son's best friend, you know, Jim, who's one of my best friends. Uh, so it's all these people and other members are like family members we've, I've known forever. So it's like it's a very trusting space and a very comfortable space. So, yeah, that works. But people who've never played before look at this on Critical Role and expect that. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking I'm doing all the talking here, Jim. Uh, why is that a negative, do you think, that when they see Critical Role and expect D&D &D to be like that? Well, yeah, like you said, like the unrealistic expectations, uh, you get cons uh, like comparison and self-doubt. Yeah. It's people, oh, I can't do the voices like Matt Mercer. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Yeah. My play hey, my play I'm trying to do the voices, but my players aren't. I play yeah. with lots of people that never do voices. No, you don't the have same, to. My, my character says this in this yeah. way or whatever, yeah. you know? It's got to be your level of comfort, right? Um, and we've done a whole episodes talking about that. Like there's things that you can do. Um, if you want to have your character have some flavor, but you're not good at doing accents or voices, just change the speed at which you talk. Have your character mm -hmm. talk really quickly. So when he speaks, he talks really quickly and everything he says is really fast. That alone is just different. Like you could do something like that. There's so many things you can do that aren't putting an accent on or stuff. What also has happened, and this, this one is the one that really upsets me, is people watch Critical Role. They see this amazing DMing by Matt. And it's not just Matt's voices. Like, it's Matt's storytelling and his vision and his imagination. Yeah. It's just Char all this character stuff. development. Oh, it's ridiculous, right? Like, it's it, the stories are so sweeping and epic and so – he has just thought his worlds out so much. I mean, you talk about homebrew. This is like <laughs> homebrew to the nth degree. But the thing is people watch that um, who have not played before or are fairly new to the game. And they expect that. Um, we've touched on homebrew. We've done a couple episodes and talked about it. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot to build a whole world. So for someone new starting out, it's it's almost impossible for them to have done that, to have created this world. So these players are sitting down and expecting this DM to be like magic, like something magic happens. Mm -hmm. And if they're not practiced, it's like anything in life. You, 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 the more you practice, the better you get. If the DM's new as well, it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be difficult to have all these things going on. And so what people do, some people do, are comparing that DM to Matt Mercer, which is impossible. Like, Matt's literally been playing D&D &D since he was a kid. He's, he's got years and years and years of player and DM experience. And it's um, his job. It's his, and it's his, <laughs> now it's his job. That's right. They get paid for this. And remember, they're actors, so they're so professionally trained. They understand timing and com comedy and comedic timing and when to say something and when not to say something. And so they add all that into it, right? So they are amazing. It's like a bunch of really good, you know, theater geeks playing D&D. &D. It's crazy. But I've heard of people firing their DMs after one or two games because they're not getting that Matt Mercer feeling. They're not getting that experience. And that's crazy. Crazy. Um, Jim? Yeah. Um, there is some good things about it, though, too. Okay, the Matt Mercer effect. Um, he's like I like I used him as inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. Like it shows how you can world build better, you can storytell better, character yeah. development, all that stuff. So it is, it is true. I, I think it's interesting something you said earlier too, because whenever I hear people talk about the Matt Mercer effect, my feelings I go immediately to the players. They get frustrated with the DM because the DM's not living up to their standards of you know of what a, a DM like Matt Mercer would do. But you had mentioned earlier about it maybe stopping DMs from wanting to start because they can't feel they're that good. And that's interesting. I, I've not really thought of that before. Um, you know, again, I've been playing and DMing for years, so I, I didn't ever even think about that uh, because now it's, it's second nature to me. But if you were new, I could see how that would be hard. You'd watch something like that and think, I could never do that. And and the thing is, like, A, well, maybe you could never be that good because Matt has certain attributes that make him that way. But at the same time, you can do just about anything. You just have to remember you got to put the time in. 
right? So no, you could not be Matt Mercer style at the beginning, but after you've played for a while and figured things out, maybe you could go on that journey and get there. Um, and again, it's an open conversation with your table, right? Like at the beginning, what are our goals? Like, do we want to have a, a game where we're doing, you know, lots of role playing? Or do we want a game that's really more battle oriented? Do we want a game that's really like kind of, you know, about quests and puzzles? Like it kind of depends what the flavor is. Like, you know, my game is heavily role play and, um, and you know, very discussion and talking and not as much battle and that kind of stuff because that's just my preference. And luckily, my players are kind of in that zone as well. They really like the role-playing aspect and interacting off each other. But if I had a bunch of players that were really into battle and I wasn't serving battle up for them, they're not going to be enjoying the game. They're not going to have a good time. So it's talking about that. And, and you've experienced that before too, right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, and like, like what we like to say, every table is different. Yep. You might not be as good voices at Matt Mercer, but say you know lots of stuff about music and you make a yeah. score for your D&D game. Like your music could blow Matt's out of the water. Right. It, yeah. Lean on your talents and, and just practice. Just practice and, have you know, have fun because at the end of the day, it's a game. So if the DM is having fun, the players will have fun. It just happens. It, it's, it's a natural thing. So as a DM, don't get freaked out and worried about it. Just go ahead and do it. And and if you do want to pursue that kind of level, you know, Matt has just done voices and stuff for so long. He's just so good at it. I'm, I don't even know how much he takes for notes. But for us that aren't, like I just literally write down notes. And if I've got a new character I'm introducing as an NPC, I'll have the information down about, you know, who they are, what they're about, kind of a little bit about their alignment and what their thoughts are and that kind of thing. So I know what that character is about. And then I will, if I do want to give it a voice... I will think about, I'll work out what that voice is in advance. I practice it, obviously, a little bit. And then I'll write down one line, and you guys have heard me say this before. I write down one line that will really zone me into that character, like something that's almost like a catchphrase for them that will put me into that voice fairly quickly. Um, and all that's there so soon as they get introduced to it. The hardest part is just remembering that voice and kind of <laughs> continuing it. But your players are just going to give you so much grace because you're trying, right? And, uh, it's sad that um, you know that you hear people like that saying that you know they're firing DMs because they're not giving them a Matt Mercer experience. Uh, that, that's that's just sad. And, and don't do that, people. Do not do that. <laughs> um, being a DM, getting up and doing, bringing something to life in front of everybody is a really hard thing to do. It takes a lot of you know a lot of nerve and a lot of um, courage to go and do that. So don't ever squash on anybody who's trying that like you know give them grace and help them out and uh, if there's something's not quite working you can nicely tell them that it might be cooler if we did this or we tried that like have that conversation but don't don't you know don't slam on these people trying to do something really cool for your enjoyment like you know yeah yeah and uh yeah just take matt as a positive role model for dms totally like i love like his tables are so like inclusive and supportive and like his professionalism and creativity and dedication, all that stuff. Like those are all things that DM should strive for really. Yeah, totally. Totally. And why anybody wouldn't is just, I don't know. It's crazy to me, you know, like anybody who's going to go and give their time um, to trying to DM, to run a campaign, it should just be like, you know, thanked endlessly because it's, it's, we've said this before. A DM is so much more work than being a player. Like, Oh, yeah. And I'm not putting players down. I'm a player too. But a player, basically, you just need to turn up to the game and have fun. And then every once in a while, you put your character up a level. Like, there's not a lot of stuff you have to do. But between games, DMs are doing so much work to try and make that really fun and immersive for everybody. So you never want to give the DMs a bad time because they're just trying to do their best and let you have fun. So give them some grace. Give them some space. Um, give them some help and aid if needed. And um, for those of you out there that uh, maybe have been on that, uh, you know, this isn't a Matt Mercer experience, so I'm not happy. You know, come on, suck it up. Like, let's be realistic. That's uh, nothing is achieved immediately. And, you know, you're as responsible as the DM is to have fun and make that happen. What's your role playing like? Are you, you know, are you bringing it out to, to the table as well? Like, it's not just the DM. You got to do it too. Yeah. And I like what we were saying before. And some people would hate to play Matt Mercer's games. <laughs> like some people like that. Totally. Old school slogging, just going through dungeons. You're just killing everything. Yep. You know, and that that's not Matt Mercer style at all. 
No, not at all. You're completely right, Jim. And again, that's just understanding your table. And I mean, you're probably going to get a blend of players. Like I have some players that are more uh, more interested in kind of the combat interactions and other players that are more interested, obviously, in like human kind of face-to-face interactions that aren't fighting and stuff. So as a DM, I need to blend my game to allow all of those different elements to happen. Um, and plus, it's just got to be enjoyable. Like you're not going to have it's just constantly role-playing. That's not fun. You want to have other elements to it, too. So it's important for you to, to mix it up and, and do that kind of stuff. So anyways, um, yeah, it, it's really hard. It's uh, The funny thing is that, you know, it has become so in the public eye in the last mm-hmm. five years. Like, you know, five, six years ago, a lot of people had heard of D&D, but they didn't, they had their kind of misconceptions or understanding of what it might be. Now it's just everywhere. I mean, the movie was just released and it's the first D&D movie in a long time. Um I checked it out. I thought it was pretty amazing. I enjoyed it. I liked some of the things they did. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give spoilers or anything on here in case anyone hasn't seen it. Um, but they, they really tried to ride that line of um, let's make it for fans and let's make it for general public. And I think they did a pretty good job giving enough things for the D&D fans and then enough stuff that if you're not a fan, you could go and watch it and enjoy a movie. That's a hard mm-hmm. thing to do. I didn't realize you watched already, Sean. We'll have to do an episode about that. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my son Connor last weekend said, hey, I'm dying to go. And my friend's been asking me, but I, I know d and our thing, so I don't want to go without you. What do you think? And I said, yeah, let's just go. So we went that night. I think it was a week ago. I think we went on last Friday night. Um, but uh, it's so in the public eye now, and everybody wants a piece of it. And that's cool. Again, it, it's a game. It's there for people. But... I think we, we said it before, what people don't understand is D&D is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, like it's not, you don't just like, hey, I played a game D&D, I'm done. It's like, sure. But the thought of it is that it's supposed to be create a character, low level starting out, start a campaign, hope you don't die, work your way through the squishy levels, start building up levels, play a bunch of games, play for a year or two with that character, get him to an epic level and have a really cool end of the whole campaign and then move on to a new campaign with new characters and start again. And it's this whole process and this whole, you know, kind of long-term thing and you grow with it. So as much as we're saying about that Matt Mercer effect, the DM's also going to grow with it too. So, you know, someone's DM skills at level one, game one, level one, compared to when these characters are level 17 and it's your 40th or 50th game, the DM's going to be way different, way better. So it's this long-term thing. And I think people, and it's it's a poison of our current society. People want immediacy. I want it right now. So people are expecting to have that level 17 character, DM with 50 game experience, knowledge, and skills at game one. And that's not acceptable, you know, not acceptable. It's it, it's a growth thing and everyone has to go through that growth and, uh, and go from there. Unless you have been playing for many, many years and have that experience and that level of knowledge. And then maybe that is there in game one, you know, like I know um, when I start a new campaign, I try and I bring it hard. I make sure that there's a really fun, exciting game for game one to grab everybody. But I've got years and years of experience. So I can do that. And, and that's what it comes down to. Don't expect that out the gates unless you're playing with somebody who's got all that experience. Yeah. And how could you get one of those kind of people? Yeah. You know, like. You yeah. can hire them. Well, hey, that's funny you should say that. <laughs> and I see where you're going. But uh, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and start talking about that. Sounds good, buddy. Fantasy Factoid. In this episode, we're talking about Matt Mercer. And he is arguably one of the best voice actors out there. But did you know Matt had a stuttering problem as a kid? He was able to overcome it, and look what he's doing now. This really strikes a chord with me, as I also stuttered as a child and had to work really hard to learn to speak better. Trust me, friends, you can really do almost anything if you put your mind to it. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, we're going to do some more chatting. We we're speaking about the Mac- Matt Mercer effect, and. Uh, it is uh, it is a very positive negative thing. It's kind of interesting because I've heard a lot of people talk about that how it's it's done so much to the world of D and D and having people excited about it, but it has created some negative things where people are just expecting that level all the time, that level of excitement and and skill. Um, before we took a break, Jim had mentioned how would you get that? How would you get somebody of that caliber? And uh, I think uh, that's where we're leading to the next part of the conversation about uh, a DM for hire. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, Jim? Um, well, I, have you ever been, or have you ever had a DM for hire? No, I haven't. 
Um, gentleman Game Master off Instagram. I've uh, had the pleasure in sitting in a few of his games mm-hmm. for some charity streams. Yeah, I remember that. Top notch DM. Yeah. Like, I told him, same place as Matt Mercer. Like, honestly, I learned so many things about DMing, playing in his games, and cool. just so enthralling and um, 100% worth the money, I think. Like, That's if awesome. you want that. If you want that, and I find with DMs for hire, um, since you're paying money, people are a lot more reliable. Yeah. Everyone's paying, you know, 20 bucks a week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Way less likely to just bail on games. And then yeah. the DM, he'll actually, he's getting paid for it. So he knows that he has to prep and have a certain standard of game. It's not just your buddy that's like, oh, hey, I, just, I didn't have time this week. Sorry, guys. This Yeah. It's going to be yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. Um. That's awesome. And I'm glad you had that great experience. I- I'm very opinionated about this and I need to, I need to explain my position first and maybe you can understand why I'm opinionated. Um, I, I, I don't like DMS for hire. That that's, that's my start. Okay. I don't like DMS for hire. Why I say that though, is that a, I've been a DM for, ver- for a bunch of years and I know three players. Let's include you, Jim, cause you can DM as well. There's four players in my game that I know are all really good DMs. So I know four DMs in my game that are amazing. One of my best friends from high school, John, who I've played in his games for years, is an incredible DM. So I know like that's five amazing DMs just like that. So for me, the thought of like paying someone when I know all these is just crazy to me. But I think also I'm in a very, very weird circumstance that I've, because I played so long, I've kind of surrounded myself with other friends and that who have similar interests. So they are also involved in D and D and that as well. So mm-hmm. not everyone has that advantage. That's a crazy advantage, right? To know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> know five people right now, I can say, Hey, do you want to DM a game for a bunch of people to play? And they'd be like, sure. You know, I mean, that's, we we're talking about Ardcon earlier. A bunch of these people that are in my game are going to be DMing the one shots at Ardcon because I know they can do it. Um, that's a very fortunate circumstance to be in. And I need to remember not everybody is in that circumstance like I am. Okay, so I am admitting that right away. So if you don't know people around you, and I've talked to a lot of people online, and they're like, I make train, I do all this, I paint minis, but I've never played a game of D&D because I can't find anyone to play with. And so they can't even find players, let alone a DM. We've always joked the DM is kind of like the drummer of a, of a band. They, they hold it all together. They drive the beat. They, they do all that. They get to keep the timing. And there's not very many drummers out there. So when you're starting a band, it's really hard to find a drummer. Everybody wants to play guitar. So a DMs like that as well. So for these people out there who can't even find players, it's even harder to find DMs. So I need to lighten up because those people, a paid DM, it could be a really good idea for them. What we we're saying earlier about the Matt Mercer effect and that if you wanted to play D&D and you've never played before, it would be really cool to play with someone of a higher caliber to get a really good first experience, as long as it didn't make them feel that's what it's like all the time, right? But at least to have a good game and to understand how good the game could be and why you'd want to play it. Because there's nothing worse than not playing, have not having played, and sitting down with a DM that's not very good because they're young in their you know talents. They haven't done it very much, uh, so they're new to being a DM. Then they, the players get a bad experience and they're like, well, I don't want to play this. I don't get it. So you want to make sure it's a positive experience. Well, again, I can see that's why a paid DM could be really good. Or uh, inspiring DMs too, right? If you right. want a DM, I would highly suggest getting a DM for high, or like playing one of their games just to see how they run it. Be, oh, totally. wow, that's great. I'd take notes. Great learning experience. Mm-hmm. So the crux to me, Jim, that I have a problem with, because people have said to me, why don't you go and do DMing for hire? Like I'm working from home. I'm doing my, my terrain building. And I'm selling terrain and stuff like that. Why don't you add... DM for hire. You have all this terrain. You have all these games that you've already created. You have your own world. You have your own homebrew stuff. Like, why aren't you doing DM for hire? The reason I don't do DM for hire, and this is the part that really I have an issue with, is I think about the games that I play. And as I mentioned earlier, everyone in that room are so close to me, like so, so close to me. They're all great friends. I trust all of them so much. They'd do anything for me and I'd do anything for them. The other game that I play in as a player, my good buddy John is my best friend from high school. Uh, we've been playing together for 40 years, playing with his brother, Chris, Chris's son, Anthony. Like I, these people I've known forever. And we used to have a ton of other friends from high school that slowly over the years have kind of faded and moved away and stuff we don't play with anymore. But again, there's this huge level of trust and understanding and they're such good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. So the weird thing for me is being, if I was a DM for hire and people paid to come and play, 
I think around game four or five, things would get really weird for me because I'd be like, hey, people who I've got to know now because we've spent a lot, we spent, you know, four or five games together, four or five hours a game. We've spent 20 to 25 hours together in really close, intense circumstances. I've got to know all you and hey, Bob, I really, really think that's cool. And I like your dog, Bingo. And hey, Mike, you're a great guy. And I hope your band does really well. And you get to know these people. And I personally would have a very hard time getting to know these people. And I know you'd become friends with them because you become friends during DD because you laugh, you make jokes, silly shit happens, you have fun. I would then find it hard to say, hey, Bob, hey, Mike, hey, Jennifer, can I have my 25 bucks or whatever? Like, it would be weird to become friends and still asking for money. And, and that's a hang up for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, I find that's where you blending passion, fun into business is a hard thing. And I found it extremely hard doing Ardnor minis, and it's something I pay a lot of attention to when I make terrain for people and that I don't burn out and not enjoy what I'm doing because I love to build things, and I've tried to make it into a bit of a business and sell stuff. So I want to make sure I, I still enjoy it and that people feel that they're getting value for what they're paying for and all those things wrapped up in it. So I think DM for Hire is even another level of that because it's way more personal. You know what I mean? Like – when I make train for somebody, I see them maybe a couple of times on a chat. We do a lot of correspondence back and forth, but I never really see them in person, right? The idea of like actually sitting in a room and becoming friends with people. And then what happens when you're in the campaign for like a year and they're still paying you? Because again, mm-hmm. campaigns, D&D is a long-term marathon. It's not a short sprint. So the thoughts of people constantly paying you. Anyways, I, I have problems with it, as you can tell. And I think, and I'm, I, and it's probably all my problem, right? Like it's not... Other people doing it, they've got it dialed in. They figured it out that's awesome. This is just me. That's my insecurity on it. I think it'd be hard to ask people that potentially could become friends to pay you. That would be weird. The thing, and sorry, I'm not letting you talk, Jim. I'm getting carried away. The, uh, the the thing that I have figured out for me though that if I was to try and do something about it, this is what I think it could be. And I'll say it on air, and somebody can steal it and make a million dollars, and then I'll just cry. It's all good. I think <laughs> what you do for me, what I would do is I would say, hey. This is what I'm offering. I will be a DM for hire for four games. Player, for the people who are interested, you need to assemble your players who want to learn to play or who maybe have played before and you want to find your DM who wants to learn to be a DM or learn to be a better DM. That DM will sit behind the screen with me and the players will be out on the table and I will go through with that DM how I DM, how I do stuff and give them exposure to my tricks and tips and all the different things I do to, well, for to be a DM. We play four games, and at the end of the four games, the DM takes over for game five, and I'm not there anymore. So I've, you know, I've sat in with these gr- this, this group for four games, brought them up to speed, got the DM good, got everyone ready. We've answered all the questions. We've gone through a bunch of the stuff. Everyone knows how to play. The game's in motion. I talked to the, the, the new DM about what I would look at going towards and some tips for them and that, and then allow them to communicate with me and let me know how things are going afterwards. And then you set them off on a voyage. That's about the only way I could see it being viable, where you're in there as a guide for the first four games or so, not as a long-term thing. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, but I do see a loophole in your yeah, go idea for it. there, Sean. Go well, for it. just run one shots then. That's what I was thinking. I think <laughs> one shots are something that you could do. Like I think a DM for hire one shot is a great idea. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all because you're giving people a really good experience. Like you said, potential DMs can learn stuff. Like, I think that's a fantastic way to go. But D&D traditionally is a marathon, not a sprint. And so people would want, I think people would want more. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the way you would do. You say, hey, I offer one shots for anybody who wants to have, you know, that's how Critical Role started. Right. Like, um, uh, it was Liam had played before. And he said for, I think it was for, was it for Liam's birthday or Sam's birthday? It was, I think it was, I can't remember. I think it might've been Liam's birthday. They put together a let's play D and D. So we know some friends. I know this guy, Matt, who's really good. And they gathered these people and they played a game of D and D kind of like a one shot and they all loved it so much. They were very quickly saying, can we play again? And that's what happens. If you do a one shot with people, invariably they're like, a, you don't get the damn thing finished. And so there needs to be a two shot or people are like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. I want to do this. Can we do this more? And it turns into more. So, yeah, I mean, the, the optimal way to do is be to run one shots, train people how to play. And then if someone's interested in going further, 
you do kind of like a a D and D tutorial session where for four games you sit in, explain how it works, have everyone have fun, get them started, and that DM takes over. Yeah, that's yeah, how I it, see that. It's definitely not for everyone, though, right? Not, no, like for me, it's a time management thing. Yeah, I, I hate homework. Uh, being a professional DM is not for me. That's a lot of homework. Yeah, but that's another plus on why to get a DM for hire. Yeah. No one, if now your DMs wants to do that, it's time saving. You're like, hey, listen, I want to run this cool game and they can be customized, uh, tailored games. Yeah. I want to run a game from, I want to play an Eberron. No one really wants to DM. We pay the DM for hire, say, hey, we want to play an Eberron, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. They do it. You just got to pay your 20 bucks or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing, too. Like, I mean, so say you have four players at the table and everyone plays, pays 20 bucks, that's you get 80 bucks. The other side of it is if you start, and, and when I build terrain, like custom terrain for people, I don't keep track of hours. Because if I keep track of hours, I realize I'm making three or five dollars an hour. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's painful to understand how long things take to what you can charge people to build. If you're getting $80 to run a D&D game, the game itself is anywhere, you know, like say, let's say the game's four hours. $80 four hours, somebody say, oh, 20 bucks an hour. That's not too bad. Yeah, but you know how much work you had to put in to go and play that game to get the stuff together? Unless you have really good module type things that you've put together, but you spent time doing that as well. Like, like I don't mm. think it's a financial thing that you can make much money at. Now, again, that might be my naivety on it. I don't know. Other people, people do it, so maybe it is something. But um, I, I don't know. It's just hard. Again, it's hard putting money on something that you love. And you need to be careful mm. because... I could also see myself being like, all, all of a sudden, I've got three groups of people that I'm teaching, and you're trying to keep track of all where they are and what's going on. You have so much time you're spent doing that that you it starts stealing from your other time, from my games, from my players, mm-hmm. from train building. I don't know. It, it could be a dangerous slope to go down. A lot of people have asked me, are you, would you be willing to do it in the past? Why aren't you doing it? And uh, yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest too. We just had a global pandemic that we feel we're kind of getting out of. I don't know. It, it's not a time that people were getting face to face and doing things. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'd love to hear what people think about it. Like, you know, a lot of the, our listeners, what they mm-hmm. think about it and have they experienced it and what was it like? Um, yeah, please send us some information. Tell us about what you guys think about it. At crystal ball at 13 side Nicely done. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, like you said, Jim, there's a lot of advantages to it. Um, if you've never played before, it'd be a great game to sit in and understand stuff. If you haven't DM before, it'd be great to learn. Or if you are a DM, you want to get better. Like all those things are great. I don't know. I just think there are some pitfalls to it as well. And, uh, again, that could just be more of my hangups than anybody. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like your, uh, professionalism too is another good thing with it. Um, yeah. so you do have a couple of friends that are, Hey, I'll DM. Yeah. But they're, they're crap. They're real crap. You, yeah. You feel bad, you, you come to their game and it's just it's not what you're looking for, right? And then yeah. you could, you know, play online and play a game that you know is going to be a little bit higher caliber. True. But yeah, not for everybody, but. No, and it's hard, boy. I, I mean, I think about it now, like just the amount of experience. And I don't mean just you've read a book experience, but actually in-game played experience, things that you've learned, things that don't work, so don't do that again, like all those things. And that's like anything, that's just from doing it over and over and over. Um, mm. It's no different than learning to do, um, you know, climbing, like at a climbing wall. The more you do it, the better you get, the different things you learn, the things you can do that you couldn't do before. Like, it's just the same thing. It's like anything. It, the more you do it, the better you get at it and the more, you you know, you've learned. Um, and, you know, the earliest games I played, I remember a lot of them being like so-so, like they weren't great, you know, and um Seven years ago, um, seven, eight years ago, my son said, hey, I'd like to be playing more often. Could, could we play? Could, could you DM a game? I'm like, oh, man, I haven't DM'd in like 10 or 15 years. It's been a while. Yeah, why not? That sounds like fun, I, I guess. You know, so I spent about a month coming up with a bunch of ideas and doing some homebrew stuff. And then, yeah, gathered uh, him and my nephew and some friends and everything together. And we started playing. That was like seven years ago. And we are still playing. We're in, you know, campaign two. And uh loving it you know what i mean having a blast and and mm-hmm. my dming skills from when we started next seven years ago to where they are now are a world apart they're, they're not at all the same you know um i've gotten better even though i had dm before that so it is it's a growth thing and, and i want people going back to our first conversation to understand it is growth and you have to 
get there and your DM has to get there too. And you need to give the DM space and grace to get there. Yeah. That gave me a great idea too. If you're a kind of a newish DM starting out and you want a DM for people, you can, you can be a DM for hire, but five, five bucks a game or whatever, you know, totally. just, if you just want to keep running the same one shot for different people, just to polish it up and improve your skills. Yep. Get the experience, learn stuff for sure. And then, sure. So, and then, you know, pay for your lunch. <laughs> hundred percent. And like Jim, where I was saying before, it's like, look, when we did our homebrew episode and we did the island and talked about all the things going on the island, that was because Jim and I were bouncing ideas off each other. Like, I don't think that island would have been that full if either one of us had did it solo, nor would we ever figured it out that fast. And there's a lot of really cool stuff going on that island. Actually, that island is so cool. Who wants to come in and maybe explore that island with us, Jim? John, our yeah. first amazing guest. John, Tale of the Manicor, who is the king of exploring worlds in a uh, fun, random, uh, non-biased way. Like, I'm so excited. And so that's, heads up, guys. John got in touch with Jim and said that he just loved that episode and be more than willing to help explore that with us. So could be a future couple of episodes on the podcast of us going through the island with John and you and me. And maybe we'll grab somebody else and have like four of us kind of do some fun exploring. Anyways... What I was getting at is that was done in collaboration. So if you're a, if you're a DM that's learning, try and find other people that are DMs and just talk with them, experience, learn things from them. What did they do? How would you handle this? You know, every once in a while, a DM will have an issue. You got a character that's figured something out that is really nerfing things that you're trying to do, and so it's always great to have somebody who can say, "Hey, I've got this player that does this, 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 and it's really hard to kind of work around that or do anything with it. What should I do?" And you talk to them, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I experienced that once." Etc. Etc. Silly side story, which has kind of got nothing to do with D and D, but it does work in this situation. Was uh, the company, and I don't think I've talked about this before. If I have, I'm terribly sorry, guys. It's hard to keep track of it all. But Xerox, the photocopy company, right, that makes photocopiers. Some bean counter at Xerox in the '70s said, "Hey, did you ever notice at the end of the day, all the drivers leave their last run, their last job, they come back to the office, and then they like they hang around here for a while, and then they go home." Why don't we have them go straight from their last job, just straight home? It, they could get more work done on the road. They could maybe fit more, one more job in and we would productivity would go way up because they're not wasting time coming back to the office. And so management listened and said, yeah, that's a really good idea. That's so smart. Let's do that. Let's get extra running at the end of the day. They did it over a period of a month or two. They tracked their progress and productivity went down and they had to try and figure out why. And what they realized is that end of the day when the driver, the, the sorry, the techs came back from their drive and they met back at the head office, they'd all go to the water cooler and drink water and talk. And the talk would be like, hey, did you know that the XJ7 has a weird little, you know, 3D 3259 clip? And if you were actually to take that clip and bend it with a toothpick, it would do, you know, whatever, right? Like they would, they would talk about shit that they had ran into and they would be self-training each other. Because, oh, I had this really weird thing today that this happened. And as, a he, as this person, he or she would tell everybody, everybody would learn from that person. So when they ran into that, they would know what to do. So they were like self-teaching and going through things. And as soon as they removed that, there wasn't as much learning. So everyone had to learn each of those things themselves as opposed to the group learning. And so they reinstated, come back to the office, productivity went back up. And so I think I got most of that story correct. I remember reading it years ago. But again, that's that whole thing. If you're a DM... If you're isolated, you're only going to become as good as you know that you can become. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you mm -hmm. need to expose yourself to things. Talk to other DMs. Watch other DMs. Be a player in a game where someone else is a DM and learn from what they're doing. You'd said that earlier. It's all about exposure and learning different things. Yeah, I'm lucky enough. I got a decent Instagram following. Anytime I'm doing homebrew stuff, I just put yeah. up on my stories. Hey, what? What? <laughs> Tell me something cool about beholders and people just send me all these crazy ideas and then I just take them. <laughs> That's terrible. So you're exploiting the people that follow you because they love you. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. You're, you're evil. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, it all makes sense now. For my games. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the games, man. Yeah. No, but yeah, you know, and then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crowdsourcing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. How many times have you been stuck on a thing and you, as soon as you ask a couple of people, they say something, it's like, oh, yeah, and then just makes, you know, it makes immediate sense. Or what it does is they just say something, you know, we always say that, that there are, you know, there, there are no bad ideas. And people, and I think I've talked about this too, people always say, well, of course there can be a bad idea. No, because if someone says a, an idea that is bad, you think the opposite, which is a good idea. So it's a great way of coming up with stuff. So it's like, 
everything is out there. And so as soon as somebody says something, it sparks something in your mind because they're feeding you stuff, right? They're energizing you, feeding you with stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I love that. Oh, but what if it did this? And boom, you solve, you know, solved your issue or your kind of, you know, roadblock. Um, yeah, pe- people can make a really good podcast if they listen to ours, get all the bad ideas and then, you know, do the good ideas. From and there's it. so many bad ideas on this podcast. <laughs> I sometimes don't even know what we're doing. I feel like we're just <laughs> rambling, just talking like a bunch of idiots with nonsense. Yeah. And it surprises well, me anybody listens to this. Yeah. Well, I think we're up to 17 listeners now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And thank you, 17. Uh, you guys are also lovely. We do totally appreciate it. Yeah. Um, cool. Does that wrap up kind of what we were going to talk about? Yeah, I think so. That was a good chat. It was a good chat. It's an important topic. These are good things to talk about. Um, I think that the takeaway for me is just have fun, guys. You've heard us say that so many times. Like, just have fun. Don't be stressed about it. And if your DM's not Matt Mercer, give them time to become Matt Mercer, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah. And Um, uh, everybody has their price. So if you want Sean to DM for hire for you, just keep (laughs) keep throwing numbers at him. He'll eventually say yes. Jim's my salesman. I love it. That's awesome. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up this part of the episode. Uh, we're going to go into one of our shorter segments. Uh, we're um, What are we doing today? Are we building something? or A random encounter. Woo! Random encounter. There you my go. Favorite. Fan favorite. Awesome. All right. See you there. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Olivia from AdLib Heroes, an actual play D&D podcast where four friends hang out at a table just like your ones at home. You can hear us on any of your streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, or really anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Look out! Random encounter. Hey guys, and we are back. Uh, It's been a great chat so far today, and I know this is one of Jim's favorite uh, mini topics we do, and this is a random encounter, huh? Yeah, it's a fan favorite. It's a fun one. Uh, We are going to... Use a bunch of different charts, some from books, some from our own um, annals of history. And uh, yeah, we're going to roll a bit of an encounter together. So um, uh, we, are we going to start with the in, environment? Is that what we're starting with, Jim? Yeah. Okay. Um, I need you to roll a D4. D4. All right. Four. All right. That's mountains, my favorite. Ooh, mountains. And now I need you to roll a D20. D20. That would be a number six. A large patch of snow. Ooh, well, that kind of matches the mountain, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Okay, should we do weather? Yeah. Okay, give me a D100 uh, percentile roll, please. 44. 44. Uh, we have normal weather for the season, so there's no adverse weather going on. It's normal weather. Um, if you want to roll a another D100, we can see if there's any wind today. 35. 35 is a standard wind. So it's, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a normal day with a standard wind that comes and goes. Uh, I'm going to roll a die 8. And we can determine, and it's uh, easterly blowing wind, just a a normal kind of wind, you know, not too heavy, just kind of a standard wind. All right, so a pretty clear day on the mountains. That's right. All right, now let's let's do your random event. Oh, the events are fun. Okay, can you roll two die 20s? I got a nine and a 15. Nine and a 15. Okay. Oh, you're going to love this. You hear the sound of large wings in the sky. A dragon flies overhead. Okay, so there's a dragon flying overhead. Now, that doesn't mean anything happens. Uh, I will get you to roll. We'll roll up a monster now. Okay, what do you need me to roll? Uh, So first, I need you to roll a d20. D20. 16. 16. Undead. Whoa. All cool. right. Cool. Now uh, another D20. Ooh, nat 20. Woot, 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 woot. Oh. 
to a re-roll. A six again, another six. Uh, Lightning. Ooh. And now another D20. 13. Lucky 13. Poisoned. Oof. This is sounding sketchy, buddy. Yeah. And um, a D6. Five. Huge. Oof. That's never good. All right. So I'm guessing it's a undead uh, flying dragon. That's huge. Wow. What was the lightning? Lightning poison. Let's just uh, roll a monster chart. So you just add that however you want. Maybe lightning breath and poison. I like claws. lightning breath. That sounds sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Okay. So we're out in the mountains. It's a clear day. That's how come you could see the dragon. And the thing on it said that you did have a perception roll. If you. Yeah. If you roll perception on here and it says DC 10, it seems that it did not spot you lucky. So you could do something where you'd have the immediate roll and see if the dragon spots them or if they spotted the dragon first and are able to try and hide. Um, yeah. But it's a clear day, not much normal wind. They could see the dragon from probably pretty far off. Yeah. So you said you had a treasure chart. We should roll on that to see what the adventures are looking for here, what this yeah. undead dragons Let's may see. be protecting. Okay. Can you... Roll a percentile dice. 77. 77. Okay, so the treasure is somewhere in a ruins. Ruins. Ruins in the mountains. Yeah. Dwarven, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Another percentile dice. 88. 88. Ooh. Okay, so it says that there we would roll um, 20 monetary. There's 20 monetary treasures in it. This is a horde and a map to magical treasure. So a horde of treasure and a map. Yep. And the map would lead them to a magical treasure. So that's kind of cool. So I see it as you're in the mountains. There's a dragon. Maybe you don't get seen. You rush off. You get into some ruins. You go through a few rooms and then you come across this treasure hoard. Maybe it's the dragons. Just saying. <laughs> and quickly digging through the treasure hoard, you come across a map and that maybe leads you to what, like a secret door or something that you go down deeper into the mountain and start looking and find the magical treasure. Yeah. Oh, that man, I'm, cool. I'm loving this. This is awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So some of that stuff that I just rolled up is literally from the original DMs guide from the 70s. On page 120 under treasure, there's some random treasure rolls you can do, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah, you could, that could be the whole adventure, you know? They're going out to look for this dragon sword. Yeah. And then, I mean, once you're in kind of an old ruins, who knows, right? Like, mm-hmm. there could be lots of different creatures in there. Like, I think it'd be cool that if they, they got in, the dragon didn't see them, they got in and they go searching. But then when they've got all the treasure coming out, that's when they find the dragons waiting for them. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not. Yeah, Unde- undead dragons, so zombies, yeah. mummies, that sort of thing, totally. probably protecting his treasure. Yeah, yeah, old crypts and such. That's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, just for fun here, when yeah, you when you open up a crypt in there, I'll get you to roll on the roll for junk chart. Roll for junk, sweet. Uh, roll a d one hundred, please. D one hundred. I just found this chart. Oh, that is 90. 90. A pouch of river stones. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that looks like one of the nicer ones on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pouch of river stones. Sweet. <laughs> you you got to give your players crap like that sometimes just to, they'll, they'll find a use for them. In our, in our last campaign, um, I threw in this stupid thing and it was called the chicken rock. And it was this big rock that had a carving of a chicken on it, like a really bad carving of a chicken. And that's all it was. It was just a carving of a chicken on a rock and it weighed like 25 pounds. Cause it's a rock. Yeah. So everyone's like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be special. It's gotta be something. So they all, <laughs> they wanted the gut sh- uh, Shenrek, which was our big, he was an orc barbarian picked up the rock and he carried around the chicken rock and 
he used the stupid chicken rock for so many things. Like I remember him crushing somebody <laughs> with it. They needed to get across something. So he used it as a counterweight for a balance thing. Like he kept coming up with things to use for this chicken <laughs> yeah. rock. It was amazing. And then one of the characters died. And, and we talked about this before in my game, which is a bit stolen from Matt Mercer. Um, when the character dies, I have three of the characters have to choose to do something to help with the, bring the person back. Um, that they have to do something to add to it. And so Shenrek took out the chicken rock, he laid it down and he took out his battle axe and he broke it in two. And everyone's like, Oh my God, the chicken rock. It was in game one. I think they got this stupid chicken rock and he had it. This was like game 40 or something. And he cleaved the chicken rock in half. I got him to roll strength, like roll his attack. He rolled a nat 20. (laughs) <laughs> it was so cool. Everyone's freaked out. So he hit the chicken rock, split it in two. And we said it was like perfectly cut down the center, polished edge. And there was all this kind of nice looking glittering stuff inside the chicken rock. And that was his homage that he left there to his fallen comrade. It was like, oh, it was such a moment in the game. It was so cool. And it was a stupid pouch of river stones. The chicken rock was nothing, but <laughs> he used it in so many great ways. And then he did this beautiful memorial thing with it. It's really cool. So do that. Give your players junk, like silly stuff, and you'll be amazed at what they can do with it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, cool. anything else for our random encounter, or is that us? I think that's good. Take that and run with it. Love it. I think that's actually a really fun encounter. I would love to play that. Yeah, I can't believe how well it all worked together. Yeah, it really did, didn't it? So, yeah, if yeah. any of you guys out there use it, please, uh, you know, let us know. Go ahead and uh, and have fun with it and tell us all about it. Yeah. Sick. Are we good? Cool. Yep. All right. Next time on 13 Sided Die. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. I'm giggling and laughing because I asked if Jim was going to bring us back in, and he said, nope. Um, he's going to die at the uh, con. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that was a really fun episode, Jim. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. I hope I didn't go off on my rants too much this time. Wow. No, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Gotta be honest. No. Hey, that's what the listeners want. <laughs> Hear Sean go off on a rant. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the topics. Uh, I think for next episode, um, what do you want to talk about next episode? We got to talk about the D and D movie. I think You've we do. It, I've seen it. Yeah, and, and we'll you know spoilers up front because I want to talk about all the spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't, if you haven't seen it, don't listen. Um, come back when you have. And, um, yeah, I think that'll be fun. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about kind of D and D and modern, uh, media. If there's any other things we want to chat about, that'd be kind of fun episode. You guys got two weeks to watch it. There you go. Come on. Totally. Get your acts together. Jeez. (laughs) Um, okay. So we want to do a little shout out here to, uh, Chris who gave us this fantastic comment. Um, I'm going to pass on a little bit of the beginning. He's saying he's doing some uh, martial arts Aikido and he has to get up really early in the morning. And he went to uh, an in-person one because he'd been doing it via Zoom. And he had a 45-minute drive, got me to listen to episode 11. Another nice job. If Ardcon happens, I'm in. I've been wanting to get out there for a while now. I could see everyone and get some ink from Chubbs and Friendly Mike. As soon as you decide, I'll start booking. You guys make me want to do a better job of DMing. Have an awesome weekend, Chris. You make me want to... Isn't that great? You make me want to do a better job of DMing. Like, could anyone say anything nicer? Like, that's so fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. And, and taking some levels in Monk. I'm loving that. <laughs> He's monking up. Um, very cool. If you guys want to uh, send a comment, please do. Um, you can send it directly to us, crystalball at 13sideddie.com um, or on our Instagram, uh, any of that. We find we'd love to hear from you. If you are listening to the podcast and haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, the subscription really helps. I don't know why it helps, but it does really help. Uh, <laughs> I think it helps promote the thing a bit better. Um, but yeah, comments, subscribe, give us some hearts, all that kind of neat stuff. Hate and, mail. Uh, we haven't got any hate mail yet. Come on, Chris. <laughs> we will read hate mail. Like that is fun. <laughs> like we would actually read hate mail. Um, yeah. Tell us what we're doing wrong. That's kind of fun. And like we mentioned earlier, we may have an episode coming up soon here. Where we'll invite our good friend, John from Tale of the Manicore back and we might go explore our homebrew Island. That's exciting. That's coming up in the future. Oh, that's a dream. Don't tell Sean, but that uh, Tale of Manticore is my favorite podcast. What? <laughs> Loser. Yeah, I think I agree with you. But anyways, <laughs> um, that's okay. Um, what else is going on? Um, Ardcon. Oh, 
Artcon, Con's yeah, that, that's happening. It's happening. Working hard on that. And um, I- keeping in line with our silly jokes, um, why does the barbarian carry a frying pan around with him? Why is that? Well, he also wants to use magic and he likes to cast iron. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. If you don't have hate mail from that. It's, that's about as bad as it gets, do it. doesn't it? Cast iron. Um, <laughs> no, that that's awesome, Sean. Good job. <laughs> okay, so uh, next episode, Jim is bringing the joke. Yeah. So just a pre-warning for everybody and a pre-warning for Jim. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much got us caught up, doesn't it? Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to talk about the D&D movie. No, that'll be fun. That it was. I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought they did a great job. I mean, it could have been way more D&D-ish, but then I think they would have lost a lot of audience. So I kind of appreciate what they did. What that next time. Yeah, and um, we have, we'll be getting together in person at the end of the month here for the Calgary Expo. Yeah, real soon. Well, we maybe we should try and record an episode together in person then, maybe. Yeah, if we could swing it. That'd be kind of interesting. Who knows? We'll see. Anyways, we'll see what happens, but I'm excited you, to see you. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if anyone listening is going to be there, come find us. Let us know. I think we're going to be down there together on Saturday, right? Yeah. Yep. Sick. Okay. I think that's another episode in the books. Awesome. Always a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, it was a good time. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure, to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-Sided Die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Bobble and torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.